Interested in wine but don't have heaps of cash? Or a rich uncle with a bunker full of the most flavorful vintages who can hook you up? You've come to the right podcast. On Vino Vultures, we'll explore wine culture, discuss frugal ways to experience the best wines your tight budget can handle, and concoct plans to raid Area 51's collection of rare alien brews. Today's episode is titled Visual Wine Analysis, and it's intended for anyone who has an interest in learning more about wine. This is Visual Wine Analysis. The tasting of wine should always start with your eyes. By using them, you can pick up clues about the age, whether it was stored incorrectly, and the kind of grapes that may have been used, and even some hints about the climate they were grown in. Pull out a bottle and pour yourself a glass. Take a minute and just look at it. What can you see? Is the color bright and bold? Is it golden or bubbling? Can you see through the wine to the other side of the glass? These are the questions you should be asking yourself, and they'll lead you to conclusions about what you're about to taste. In our systematic approach, I want you to start by analyzing clarity and brightness. Ask yourself, is the wine clear or cloudy? Or maybe it's somewhere in between. Determine whether or not you can see through it. If the wine is clear, you can say that the wine you're tasting is bright. If it's the opposite, you could call the wine cloudy. If you feel that the wine you have is more on the hazy side, that could point toward an older age, or it could also be trying to warn you that it wasn't properly stored. You want to make sure to note that concern and come back to it when you move on to analyzing the wine with your nose and determine whether it has a foul odor. Next, I want you to look at the color. In both reds and whites, color is influenced by many things. In this case, we're using it to measure the rate of exposure to oxygen because that process typically occurs at a measurable rate during bottle aging. It also occurs at a rapid rate when a wine is barrel aged. This is due to the fact that oak barrels allow large amounts of oxygen into their contents. For your analysis, unless you later determine through your other senses that barrel aging was present, you should always assume that the wine was bottle-aged. We'll go into that more later. Whites that are young are typically very clear, but may have just a hint of yellow, almost like a hay bale or you know, something you'd see in October on the front porch or on the farm. With aging, they darken and start to obtain a golden color over a period of a few years before eventually turning brown when they're well beyond their shelf life. On the flip side, reds are darker and could even be described as purple or black when they're young. Then they transition to a brilliant shade of red when they reach about three years of age before they take on an almost ethereal golden shining red with some residual pigment once they've reached about five years. Finally, if not stored correctly or just completely beyond their time, they turn brown just like the whites. Now let's talk about pigmentation. The juice that is used to produce white wines is clear 
while reds have additional pigments. This is because reds are allowed to remain in contact with the grape skins while undergoing the fermentation process. Reds are essentially white wine, but with the pigment added, is the easy way to remember it. But how does that pigment vary in red wines, and how can we use that to better analyze them during a tasting? That is a good question, and I'm glad you asked. Grapes that have thicker skins have more pigment. Therefore, you can get a clue as to what grape was used by the concentration of the pigment in your glass. To do this, simply hold your glass at a 45 degree angle over something you can read. You can use your tasting sheet notes if you have them within reach, which you should. Try to read what you have written through the wine. If you can easily make out what you've written or what's printed, you have a wine that has very little pigmentation. On the other side, if it's almost impossible to read it, you have a wine that has very heavy pigmentation. For fun, if you're out on a restaurant and you're drinking wine but you just want to use this, you can use a menu or anything that's on the table at your discretion instead of your tasting sheet. Let's move on to body viscosity and legs. Simply put, you're trying to determine if the wine you're tasting is thicker than a Snickers. Just kidding. Well, kind of. In order to examine this, take your glass and place it on the table or flat surface in front of you. Move your hand to the foot, that's the flat part beneath the stem, and swirl it around in small circles. This will make the wine slide up the sides of the glass. Take note of how it does or doesn't cling to the inside. Also determine how hard you have to spin the wine before it creeps upward and back down again, leaving what's called legs behind. Those are those trails that trickle down back into the bottom. A good trick is to compare it to milk or heavy cream. If you replaced your wine with skim milk, it wouldn't take much force to make it swirl and rise almost to the top and spill over because of how light and thin it is. On the same token, it wouldn't take long for that same substance to come right back down to a resting point when you stop spinning. Heavy cream, on the other hand, will take significantly more force and will move a bit more sluggishly. That's because heavy cream has more body, and what gives a substance body is the amount of dissolved solids within. You can describe the body by saying that the wine is light or heavy-bodied. As an added note, heavy can often be interchangeable with the term full. But let's go back to the wine. If you spin your glass and notice that it's relatively easy to get it racing along the sides and when you stop it drops right back down, you've got yourself a light-bodied wine. If it takes more force and it drops like overweight glue back down when you stop, it's heavy-bodied. But to truly understand what you can gain from this experiment, we need to take a deeper look at what makes a wine light or heavy bodied and how we can use that to analyze during our tasting. Grape juice is what makes wine, right? Within grape juice is sugar. This is the main solid that dissolves within the juice. The more sugar, the heavier the body of the wine. And what determines the amount of sugar in wine is how ripe those grapes are precisely when they're harvested. More time in the sun 
and a later harvest means riper grapes and that translates to more sugar. You can use that knowledge to assume, unless other factors are at play, that lighter bodied wines come from cooler climates with less ability to maximize photosynthesis. It's also why most white wines have lighter bodies than their red counterparts. However, you should know that there are always exceptions. Sweet wines, such as dessert wines, are a really good example. The amount of residual sugar that they contain will give them a much heavier body than others. That's why wine tasting is done in methodical stages. In each stage, you should make notes and test your theories on which wine it could be as you move through them. Your visual cues may send you in one direction, but your nose or mouth may force you to take another guess. Now let's move on to bubbles and carbonation. If you've ever had a soda or champagne, you're not a stranger to this topic. Visually, it couldn't be easier to pick out. Small bubbles will rise from the bottom of your glass and make themselves very well known. Make a quick note that this is likely a sparkling wine or champagne and expect the mouthfeel tingle that it will bring when you taste it at a later time in the process. Most of these will be white wines, but not all of them. If it's a red wine that you're tasting, you're very likely to not have any. But there are exceptions such as a sparkling Shiraz and others out in the market that you could come into contact with, which makes them easier to identify. Typically, you'll find sparkling wines come out of colder climates because it's used to counteract the lack of body that whites have versus their red counterparts. Lastly, let's talk about sediment. These are the sometimes not too visually appealing particles that collect on the bottom of your bottle or glass and they're a relative indication of age. Given enough time, almost any wine that you encounter will eventually form some sediment due to the aging process of proteins and tannins as they bond. If you see sediment in your bottle, you can typically expect the wine to be over five years of age. That being said, it can turn drinkers off to see a little something something floating around in the bottom of your glass. Fear not, if you're looking to avoid it altogether in your aged wines, let's say you're hosting a party and you don't want to be that guy or girl, you can use a decanter and it will filter it out and leave it back in the bottle before pouring that wine out of the decanter into your glasses. Crisis averted. Now, on to our homework. This week, I want you to get your friend, partner, or even a helpful wine store clerk to assist you with the selection of a red wine. Make sure that you never get to set your eyes on the bottle so that you don't ruin your attempt at making this a blind tasting. Whether that means your wife, husband, partner, friend, giant monster, pours it. <laughs> if they pour it in another room or a wine clerk goes to select it, covers it with a paper bag and you just open it enough to get the wine out, I want this to be your first attempt at using these new criteria to see if you can guess the relative age of the wine you're looking at. Think about the time required for a wine to collect sediment or to change color. Swirl the glass around 
and analyze the body and legs. Can you guess the age of this wine and whether or not it came from a cooler climate? Give it your best guess and remember to just have fun. And that's it, folks. If you enjoyed this, I'd really appreciate it if you give us a like, thumbs up, or whatever you can do on your particular platform that you're using to listen to this podcast. If you're feeling particularly appreciative or helpful, you could submit a review or even hit the subscribe button. Thanks in advance. I really appreciate it. We'll see you back here next time when we move on to analyzing wine with your sense of smell. See you next time.